Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. We spoke with them Sunday, October 31st. This past week, the women warriors took center stage. In a fight years too long in the making, Jackie Nava, La Princesa Azteca, finally took on longtime rival Mariana Juarez, La Barbie, in Tijuana, Mexico. Nava won a 10-round unanimous decision in a competitive and all-action fight between these two 41-year-old veterans. In London, Chantel Cameron took another step forward in unifying all the major belts at 140 pounds as she defeated Mary McGee to unify two of these belts. Next up for Cameron will be the winner of the Callie Reese-Jessica Kamara fight, which is slated to be held November 19th in Manchester, England. The winner will then have all four major belts in that division. Multi-divisional boxing champion Clarissa Shields also had a second MMA fight this past week, and it did not go her way as she lost a split decision to Abigail Montez. Shields is scheduled to return to the boxing ring December 11th, and we shall see how her foray into the MMA cage has affected her boxing skills, if at all. Also this past week, there were a pair of first-round knockouts as Jerron Boots Ennis stopped veteran Thomas DeLorme in Las Vegas as at Jose Cepeda to Jose Vargas in New York. There was also a main event upset as favorite Jamal James was stopped by Rajab Butayev in the ninth round also in Las Vegas. We discussed these fights and more on this edition of the show. All this is part of our in-depth coverage of the corrupt world of boxing and sports governance in general. But, before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop. 
Palm of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent, no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini-skirts at the new No-Holds-Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman. No holds barred. What's up, fight fans from around the world? You have tuned in to the war room and I'm here with my boxing experts because I'm just a fan. I'm I'm here with Melissa Smith, women's boxing historian, and my boy, Eddie, Mr. Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred News. And we are going to have an exciting uh, show today because we're talking about women's boxing. We're talking about Clarissa Shields. We're talking about big shout out to uh, Team Zapata last night because he won against uh, Var- Vargas with that one. I don't know how many punches it was, but it was a first round knockout. And Julian Tua is his uh, manager, and I know Julian from Wildcard, so I want to give a big shout-out to Team Zapata. Good job, team. So, Melissa, let's get right into this Women's well, Boxing Weekend. It was, it was. oh, I watched it a was bit amazing. of that, right. I've watched a bit of that Nava fight. Oh, my gosh. Well, there, yeah. you know, there were two big ones. There was uh, on zone. I think we had talked about it last week. There was Chantel Cameron, who uh, has the has, – had the WBC super lightweight title fighting a unification bout with the American fighter out of uh, Gary, Indiana, Mary McGee. She had the IBF's uh, super lightweight title. And because Cameron was one and um, Mary McGee was number two, they also fought for the first uh, Ring Magazine um, belt uh, as part of their unification bout. So that was really awesome. Um, you know, McGee is the more experienced fighter in the sense that she is, was a 27 degree, I think, coming into that bout. Um, but Cameron had a, a strong amateur background. So her 14 0 record sort of belied 
um, a, a very deep bench, if you will, in her boxing mm-hmm. skills. And I got to tell you, that fight was something. Um, they ended up being the main event, which was awesome too. Um, still now, why were they main the main event? Because Dylan White. Dylan White pulled out, you know, with the alleged shoulder um, injury out of his fight with, uh, what is it, Otto Wallen. Uh, right, right. And uh, so they became the main event. I- I'm just going to add one little, before I really get into the fight, I, I just want to say that they were the main event. And, you know, they were at the O2 in London. Normally it holds 20,000. It certainly did not have anywhere near that number of people in the seats. But the thing that kind of upset me was people left before the uh, main event fight with Chantel and uh, Cameron and Mary McGee. And that meant that it was only maybe half, half the auditorium was filled, half, half the stadium. And I got to tell you, everybody who left that fight left that ring, missed the fight of the night by a lot because those two women put on an incredible boxing exhibition with amazing skills, but more than that, with incredible heart, the heart and soul of true champions. Chantel Cameron, um, I would have to say, had the better technical skills. She was lighter on her feet. She was uh, using sort of more comfortable and facile with different levels of boxing. And she was able to use lateral movement much more effectively and ring generalship more effectively. That having been said, Mary McGee never stopped. And in fact, those two women never stopped. They went wall to wall for 10 rounds of boxing. And if the cards show that Chantel had, you know, she was um, 100 to 90 on one card. She was 99-91 on another and 99-92 on a third card. But it belies the amount of work and energy that Mary McGee put in. And if you looked at Chantel Cameron's face at the end of those 10 rounds, you could see she was in a fight. She was all red, scratched, had bruises and everything else. So uh, it really was women's boxing at a very high level. Again, Chantel had sort of was more of the boxer and had better technical skills. And I think she just had the edge in terms of her own energy level. But what McGee lacked in that skill set, slight amount, she made up for in heart and never stopped. And when you would think she was going to stop and when you thought she was tired, she just would come out in the beginning of the round and just go bum, 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 and keep going. And Chantel could never sit back and rest. So that fight was pushed for 10 rounds. At the end I, of it, Chantel, yeah, go ahead. I just want to add something on it. I felt Chantel Cameron just really outclassed Mary McGee. I agree with you about the heart and that Mary McGee never stopped and never quit. But the, the, the technical level, these were two, two different levels. And since this was sort of an eliminator for this unofficially for this tournament, I think Chantel Cameron presents anybody in that division with 
with a real challenge. I think she's had better training. You know, we know all this stuff about Jamie Moore and the MTA, MTK gang and all these kind of people. But they know they're boxing and she's she's learned it very well. And one of the problems if in general in women's boxing is there's a much thinner talent pool than men's boxing. Just give a little example. If you look at the WBC rankings, when you look at men's boxing, they have they fill up every space that they have for it. When you look at women's boxing and a number of the weight classes, they only rank a handful of fighters because they're dealing with a much smaller talent pool in general. And because of that and because of the problems we discussed that these networks don't like, generally don't like to show women's boxing, they're not investing in it, they're not promoting and marketing it the, the same way, it becomes harder for them to really build up and, and get these fights. It's also, of course, newer uh, to the Olympics, the amateur uh, circuit is much newer, so there's a lot less overall experience. There's, there's a lot of talent there. So I, I was really impressed by Chantel Cameron. The other thing I found interesting was that I don't get the zone since they doubled the monthly price during the during the pandemic, which is totally non-competitive and preposterous and wouldn't let you resubscribe for the grandfather you in. But they put up highlights to this fight on their own website, not on one of these pirate sites or not somebody just sticking it on, on YouTube, which might be there. I don't know. But the networks for a lot of these fights are putting up on their own social media highlights and in some cases the entire fight for people to see because they're not getting the huge numbers of people subscribing. And so they're going for greater metrics than just the amount mm -hmm. of actual viewers they have. They're counting social media views on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and TikTok and all these Snapchat and all these different things to get their sponsorship going. So you can see the highlights of this fight. And there was, you know, other things on that card. But I, I think Cameron has to be, you know, she bragged after the fight. They said, who do you want to fight from the winner of the next fight? She said, I don't care. I'm going to beat them all. I think she has to be considered a, a probably a favorite to win the whole thing at this point. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, she really did outclass. And I mean, her amateur background, again, really, really showed through. Um, and and um, on that basis, I think she really does have a good shot. I mean, the next fight up is Callie Reese, um, who's fighting Jessica Camera, the, the Canadian fighter. Callie Reese is also, you know, came up through the pros, not through the amateur ring. She's had um, she's fought some very big fights and some of which she's lost, but she was always game as an opponent and gave it her best. Whether she can match the skill level of Cameron remains to be seen. Certainly I've seen her fight with tremendous heart, but uh, her skill level may not, in fact not reach that level. The same thing if, if, if Jeff, Jessica Cameron takes it, I think it would be something similar, although Cameron is a very strong fighter and she really uh, has improved significantly in the last couple of years and over her last couple of fights. 
But I think part of what they're you know, thinking about for Cameron is if she gets the undisputed is then having her fight Katie Taylor. So we'll at, at a going, Katie coming up to super lightweight for that or her coming down to lightweight from super lightweight. So we'll see how that all plays out in terms of that particular arc. But right. Cameron, at this point, to me, also was the favorite to win the Undisputed. And one other thing, if you look at the Twitter trends, this fight, the, the Cameron McGee fight, was trending on Twitter in the UK. It was all over Twitter there. It was on a very busy Saturday with all kinds of different sports and events and stuff going on. It was not trending in the U.S., so because it wasn't shown in the US, was it? No, well, no, it was, it was on the zone. It was shown on the zone, but it wasn't really marketed. It wasn't high. promoted. It wasn't promoted here. It was promoted on the zone by the zone. But wow. in terms of, you know, Mary McGee's promotion was kind of non-existent other than what DAZN was putting out. It's I didn't see any her... promotions on anything from yeah, DAZN. I, I did. And I, you know, I saw a lot because there was stuff all over Instagram. There was stuff all over Twitter from DAZN. And, you know, Lou DiBello, who's her pro uh, promoter, also was putting out stuff for Mary McGee on Instagram. He had a whole bunch of stuff, but it wasn't really promoted as much. And the packets, you know, the, the fight packets out of DAZN were really focused on Cameron and not on McGee's story. So that was the other part of the problem. She was there, even though they were both champions coming into this fight, from the standpoint of the promotion on the zone, she was the she was the B side of the right. record. The so they did not really put even at even over the evening of fights um, or the afternoon of fights here in the, in the United States, when they would put up the sort of promos for the fight, it was always Chant Chantel Cameron. It was not Mary McGee. You barely saw her, barely knew she was even going to be in the fight. So that was part of the problem in terms of the American market. And it's a real big issue because the American, I think we've talked about this, the American promoters are just not there for it. Right. And they're we not. call really, that gringo TV. Yeah. And, you know, it's for Britain. I mean, the zone's out of Britain. You know, maximum boxing is Britain. So they're going to go for their own fighters. They're not going to do the work for an American fighter who they view as the B side. Right. So it'd be interesting that to see sense. for, you know, the Callie Reese, Jessica camera fight, because that will be on the zone, but you got an American fighter and a Canadian fighter, not an American fighter, not a British fighter in that particular fight. So we'll see what will happen. That'll be on, um, the, I think it's November 19th. Um, and it certainly will not be the main event. But the other big fight was you know, for Mexico, the biggest women's boxing bout you could ever have, which was Jackie Nova, uh, Nava, um, who come, came into the fight 38-4-4, 41 years old, extraordinary super bantamweight fighter, and Mariana Juarez, who came in, you know, 55-11-3, also 41 years of old age. This is a fight. 41, that is they were crazy. 41 years old, and if he's you can see this fight on YouTube. If you follow any of our Twitter feeds, you can, you know, grab it. It was a great this fight. Was the yeah, they, fight. It was not on was American TV. It was not yeah. an American TV. And I no. searched all over the place. It was on Azteca 7 
in uh, Mexico and it was also shown in Latin America. But TV Azteca Deportes on their Twitter feed, I don't know if it was just to the U.S. or every everywhere, posted the fight on their Twitter feed two rounds at a time. And they put the entire fight on their YouTube page. This is official, not one of these dodgy things. TV Azteca Deportes, look them up on Twitter or YouTube and see it. And they had the hashtag Son Guerreras. Uh, and this fight also was trending, including both Jackie Nava and Barbie Juarez, who were all trending on Twitter in Mexico, but not in the U.S., where no network was smart enough to show this fight. And, and again, it's another fight. I mean, I know Melissa's going to get into it, but don't just look at the scores because, yeah, it was a very clear-cut decision for Jackie Nava. This was a very, very competitive fight for all of the, the 10 rounds. And I think if they had three-minute rounds and 12 three-minute rounds like the men, it would have been just as competitive. But it was an exciting fight to watch. And, yeah, you could not believe either of these fighters were 41 years old unless you would were, were right. told that or just looked it up. I mean, they looked a decade less. So uh, right. very, to me, it was, uh, I, to me, it was the most enjoyable fight of the night. And I watched about five or six fights Saturday. Yeah. Excellent I, I boxing. Mm-hmm. Because the quality of both fighters was so exceptional and they have different styles, you know, um, slightly different styles. You know, uh, uh, Mariana Juarez is more of a, of a, you know, come forward kind of fighter, really more classical Mexican style fighter or what you think of as a Mexican fighter. They never stop. They're always going in one direction. But uh, a lot of levels, a lot of really great execution, great defensive skills. Jackie Nava is sort of more in the Lomachenko kind of school where constantly using lateral movement. A lot of different, you know, she'll have right hand leads, left hand leads, come back with another right hand lead, a lot of levels. She went one round, which was basically all to the body. I mean, it was crazy watching her. And um, a lot of really quick, I'm not going to say shoe shine because that doesn't really give justice that just how much zip was on those punches. But it had the speed of shoe shine, just bop, 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 like this, but with the sharp executed beautifully and and um really stinging in terms of their effectiveness in the ring. Three, and three punch said, combinations three, head, four, head, five, body, head body yeah. body that, head. that was classic you see a lot of mexican fighters do that the left hook to the body she mm-hmm. used it very effectively very effectively and then she again a lot of beautiful lateral movement she She'd go with a she'd go with a right hand lead and then boom, she's somewhere else entirely coming Excellent back. Excellent footwork. Excellent. That's Just all I kept beautiful. saying. Wow. Her footwork you know, is we, amazing. We were all talking about uh, if you watch the Cameron uh, McGee fight, we were everybody was talking or the, the announcers were all talking about Cameron's footwork and it was beautiful. But compare that to Jackie Nava, and then you're just again in a whole other level. Right, you see, there's she levels was in to Loma this shit. Land to me, I mean, she's like top ten boxer anyway. But she'd give men a, a run for their money as a boxer. She's she's just a, 
a phenomenal boxer. You don't have to assign her a gender. You just say she's a boxer, an mm-hmm. extraordinary boxer. I feel like Don King. Viva Mexico! <laughs> Viva <laughs> Mexico! Well, and get the it, flags it, waving. Yeah, and, and, and as Eddie said, you know, the scores there, too, were kind of, you know, you had 190, you had 97, 93, right. you had 99, 91. I mean, the scores were all over the place. Wow. You just didn't even want to score the rounds. You just want to say, yeah, okay, we're going to give it to Nava. But, and the scores didn't really make sense, and they don't tell the real story. You have to watch the fight because Barbie Juarez, I mean, she's amazing, too. She's an amazing fighter. She just, just jacking Nava had something a little right bit that little edge is that, that little, little edge, edge. she right. was beating her to the punch she got her tired i think, I think stayed was, sharp stayed sharp right from, she never let down at the end of the 10th round you think it was she the finished third. strong you think it was the third round right. I mean, she wasn't even breathing heavy uh i think it was the end of the seventh or the eighth the, I think it was the end of the seventh, the Belden ring. Barbie Juarez stopped. And and it's like Jackie Nava doesn't hear it. She's just going. <laughs> Until finally the bell rang. It was like That's two or three seconds right late. Yeah. And the ref kind of steps in between. But she was the Barbie had just stopped. And she's like, I don't hear the bell. Boom, boom, boom. Just absolutely fantastic fights. Wow. Great job, ladies. One of the ladies. best fights I've seen in a long time. And, and one, of the, one of the things, if you look up the records of these two fighters, is that they fought the vast majority of their fights in Mexico. They have fought a few times, mainly early in their career, a handful of times in the United States. And I, I don't know well enough the politics behind this because they would zan for promotions. They're with the Azteca, which is one of the, not the biggest uh, Mexican network, but it, it is absolutely absurd that the Los Gringos Locos who run the American TV and streaming services did not put this fight on. And you had to wait for Azteca to put it up on YouTube, where obviously for free, legal, but for free, instead of being on some TV network, either subscription or get advertising in or whatever. They didn't even put it on Azteca America, which is really hard to find the affiliates of, but I finally dug it up. It's available over the year and on a number of uh, cable systems around the United States. And they were showing some other stuff and infomercials and all kinds of crap. They didn't even show this fight on tape delay after, uh, after it was over which is utterly absurd. And I just think, again, shows there really the the xenophobia, the racism, the white supremacy, the misogyny, all this. There happens to be another Mexican fighter that's all over American TV and international TV and the streaming services, a fellow by the name of Saul Canelo Alvarez. I think you've all heard of him. And he, he's getting this tremendous coverage as are, as are other fighters from Mexico. Now, you could say, okay, Jackie Nava and, and, and Barbie Juarez, they're 41, they're at the end of their career, but why weren't they featured over the years on American TV? I think we know the, the answers to that, and I think it's absolutely disgraceful. 
So for people that are real boxing fans and boxing being an international sport, I encourage them, even though we've discussed the fight and discussed the results, watch this fight on the Azteca, TV Azteca Deportes YouTube or Twitter, and you could see it and you could see the announcers while they were very including the great Julio Cesar Chavez were really uh, exuberant during this fight. But I think in this case, uh, they were pretty justified in being so. I'm going to add in something else, which is that um, if you look at Jackie Nava's career fights, and if you look at um, Mariana Juarez, you will see a lot of American women, a lot of European women have gone to Mexico to fight them. And the reason is, and I, I know one in one case in particular, which was Alicia Ashley, the American fighter who went down to Mexico to fight Jackie Nava, because that was the only time she was going to get paid. Because she was getting three, four, five thousand dollars for a fight in New York. But if she went to Mexico, she was getting twenty or thirty thousand dollars. Wow. Okay, so yeah, not that's only, a huge disparity. Point, Huge to disparity. Point, not only is the American market stupid in the sense of not understanding what great fighters these women are and bringing them into the New York, to the American market to help develop women's boxing as a viable sport. But Americans were going down there to box because they at least had a payday because there was enough of a market in Mexico to sustain it. Right. Comfortably. So uh, for these level of fighters. So um, it, it's annoying and angering uh, on many different levels. So, um, well, I think to fighters like Canelo could easily demand or he's a pro- promoter now. He could be putting women on his fight cards. And, absolutely. Right. And, Where and fight, are they? Exactly. You, we have to encourage fighters who at the top of their game to encourage more women to be on their undercard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause when I had a guy who I was managing a guy who was a golden gloves and he was always B side, you know, but he was an, he was, he was fun to watch in the ring. Cause he had a lot of heart kind of like Deontay Wilder. He's not tr- coachable. He just goes in there and does whatever he wants, but he had a lot mm-hmm. of heart and, you know, a fighter would say, hey, you know, the management team would say, hey, I want him to fight on my undercard. So why aren't other fighters doing you that for women well, boxers? I think we have to encourage that in the industry. Absolutely. And, and you know, to your point, there's no women's boxing fight on the Alvarez card. Right. card. Right. So what is that about? It's not like there aren't great fighters. There are many great fighters all over the place. Um, right. So. I think it's a part of it is, uh, you know, misogyny. The other part is the money. They don't see how the women aren't filling the stadiums. The women aren't selling cards, but they blah, are, blah, blah. but they are, okay, but you know, that's the excuse they use. That's what I'm saying. That's just I mean, cause, but I can tell you, you know, when, when Heather Hardy used to be on a card in Brooklyn at the Barclays center, she would get $20,000 sold in tickets herself just for her. And she'd end up walking out at six o'clock when there are four fans in the stand. And she was the one that brought in the most money every time. Wow. So that's a bunch of. Right. Right. Oh, you know, we know. And women's sports on TV, since all this is more of a, a TV and streaming sport now, 
is starting to explode. And if you look at the sports trade media, they're all starting to notice that. And he just, I mentioned it in the article I did on Clarissa Shields on my Patreon, a link to some things. The WNBA, for example, and I'm not a basketball fan, so I don't watch basketball, but their, their ratings have skyrocketed the last season, even though other ratings are flat or lower compared to 2019. 2020 being the pandemic year was, you could say, well, that was not a, a typical year. The uh, women's football in Europe got a, a big streaming deal, I think, with the zone and some others. And it's really expanding. Sponsorships are expanding all over the place. And you could look up all the details of that. And boxing really should be should be part of that. There's an audience there and it's not being utilized. So you had the Showtime card last night from Vegas which had some some good fights. I saw two, the two main fights. Uh, no no woman's fight was on it. I don't know. I, I only saw the ESPN Plus, the, the, the uh, main event that the top rank put on on Twitter with the Zapata first round knock. And I don't know if they had any women on that card. They well, did not because I checked it out. Uh, they absolutely did not. I mean, it, it, look, top rank has one fighter, Michaela Mayer. She's fighting November 5th. That's the only woman you're going to see on a top-ranked fight these days. I think they may have signed someone else, but I haven't seen them. Um, and that's you know. the same night as the Canelo fight, right? Right. And that's a bit, you know, that's that's also, you know, a road to unification. Michaela Mayer is going to fight Hamadouche, the French fighter. I mean, these are junior uh, lightweight fights. This is a championship bout, unification bout on the road towards some kind of, um, the idea is to get to undisputed at a certain point, because Terry, Terry Harper's fighting as well. So that's where we're going with this is undisputed. Um, and there you have uh, a unification bout that's gonna be fought at a very high level on November 5th. It will be on top rank, it will be on ESPN, but that's about it. Listen, PFL, which is where Clarissa Shields fought on their championship card. Their main event was Kayla Harrison in her PFL Women's Lightweight World Championship. They didn't have MMA doesn't have a problem getting a, a main event with women right. filling the stands. You didn't have people leaving the stadium for the Kayla Harrison event. So what the heck is this? Is it just boxing? I, I don't get it. I really don't get it because in MMA, they're filling stands, their main events. It's not an issue. Right. Yeah. And you had uh, Kayla Harrison was an Olympic gold medalist in, in judo, well-known and is adapted to uh, MMA. They had Clarissa Shields, another two-time Olympic gold medalist on that card. They didn't do well in, in the TV ratings, which we can get into when we discuss Clarissa Shields fight. But they're doing that. The, the, the other organizations in MMA, including one championship that Chris is wearing, the T-shirt, has been promoting a number of women's fights. They're heavily promoted. Angela Lee, who is an American who's fighting in there, and, and, other, and other fighters from Asia on their, their cards. Boxing is run by dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. The last Olympic sport to add a women's division was 
you, you get one choice. Boxing in 2012, even wrestling had added women by 2004, and everybody else had added a, a women's division by by that time. And the, the slowest HBO didn't put on women's boxing till the last show in their 45 year uh, showing mm -hmm. of HBO boxing, the last, yeah, the last one. And Showtime had said, they, you know, I know Chris asked Stephen Espinosa Showtime about it, but what are they waiting for? Why didn't they, why aren't they showing these these fights? There's an audience for them if you promote them properly. Now ESPN did a series on Clarissa Shields. I didn't get ESPN Plus either, so I didn't see that. But they did this series about her story and all that, and they attempted to promote that. You could do this is not rocket science how they do this. And as I said, they're using social media a lot more. There are ways that could be done using the old fashioned ways of the conference calls or they're now by Zoom and press releases and press conferences and stories and the, the newer ways on social media. There are ways of doing this, but they're, they're generally not doing it for women's boxing. So this is, you know, here we go again. And it hurts the sport. It not only hurts the women's fighters, but it hurts boxing overall. It's very typical short-sightedness but what else is new for boxing well eddie do you want to talk about the, the shields fight and the article you wrote on patreon yeah i encourage people to subscribe uh, maybe i'll just le read uh a little Excellent. paragraph mm -hmm. from this um this is about the uh the third round about halfway through round three with the fight seemingly up for grabs Shield swung and threw a wild right hand, completely missing Montez. Perhaps Shields at this point was frustrated that a top-level boxing skills were not that effective in this MMA fight. Without missing a beat, Montez immediately changed levels and shot for a takedown. Shields was unable to sprawl or shift her weight sufficiently to stuff the takedown, and down to the ground she went. Later in the round, still on the mat, Montez achieved full mount and wailed away on Shields, who had no answer for this attack. When the final bell sounded, Montez was in full control, obviously the winner of the round, and thus, thus the fight. But it was only a split decision win from Montez, who one judge with one judge ridiculously scoring it in favor of Shields. Montez was a deserved winner of the fight, and Shields had suffered her first professional defeat in MMA and any combat sport. The key then was Shields' inability to move her hips and shift her weight like a wrestler or grappler would. Boxing and wrestling require different footwork and stances, with MMA often needing utilization of what works in wrestling. A marked deficiency in wrestling technique has done in many an MMA fighter. And then I mentioned how Shields knows all this and has been training at Jackson Week MMA Academy, one of the most prestigious academies, but she's 26 and she's been boxing since 11 and she moves and thinks like a boxer. And now she's scheduled to return to the boxing ring on December 11th, just in a few weeks after months of training for MMA, and I would set about 
Shields, she's clearly not ready to compete in MMA on a professional level against anyone but the worst fighters. And training to do so could only set her boxing training and career back. And uh, but but she also said she she's getting more money from these MMA fights than she ever did against lower level and unknown opponents than right. she ever did in the sport of boxing. So she's going to return to boxing. And then in 2023, she has another fight left on the PFL contract. So we'll see where the where this all leads. But it was is not pretty to watch for Clarissa Shields. And it was an extremely smart game plan by Abigail Montez, who before the fight said, I'm going to outbox her. She has holes in her boxing game for MMA. And then she proceeded to out-wrestle her. I knew that was bullshit when I heard it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where we're at with Clarissa Shields. Please, that's why I called it Clarissa Shields and boxing need each other. Clarissa Shields needs boxing, and boxing needs Clarissa Shields. Right on, Eddie. All right. What else we have to cover, folks? Uh, and Melissa, you have anything else? No, I, you know, just to just very quickly, um, Clarissa Shields will be fighting on um, December 11th on uh, Sky Sports Card. Sarah Savannah Marshall, uh, who was she will be fighting early next year, will also be on the same card. But last night or yesterday uh, on the DAZN fight card, and when they were talking about getting ready for the Cameron fight, it was announced that Katie Taylor will be fighting on a DAZN card on December 11th. So you're going to have Katie Taylor on DAZN, and you're going to have Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields in two separate fights on Sky Sports, same night. No discussion like of who Katie Taylor is going to fight, but uh, it may be uh, a mandatory, not entirely sure yet. Um, but all of her belts will be on the line. And as I understand it, Serrano, Amanda Serrano may also be fighting sometime around, you know, in the same uh, time frame in December. And that, you know, then poisons them potentially or what they're now talking about, uh, you know, if you believe the media and, and all the blah, blah, blah from a lot of camps may have some kind of fight to be put together in April. We'll see. Right. And right, and right now, this December 11th uh, doubleheader uh, with the Shields fight and the Marshall fight, it's on Sky Sports box office on pay-per-view. And I, I guess the UK and Ireland but there's no American TV listed. So again, that would be in the afternoon U.S. time on that day. And there are a lot of other fights that are going on. Lomachenko is, is fighting against Richard Comey, I think, on the same day and some other fights. But not, nothing is set. So I don't know if ESPN Plus is going to show it. I don't know who if Showtime is going to show it. I don't know who's going to have a deal with Sky Sports Boxing now that they've resuscitated the boxing program, but it's certainly not clear at this point. And it, again, it's pretty disgraceful if if that card is not an American TV, and we're going to have to go searching around social media and all this to to try to see those fights. So yeah, I, I agree. Especially if Clarissa Shields is on that card, they lose a huge market opportunity if it's not 
really promoted well for the United States so that her fans in the United States can watch that bout, exactly. even if it's the middle of the afternoon. Because let me tell you, because the design part will be in the middle of the afternoon with Katie Taylor probably fighting four or five o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern, Eastern time. Um, so we'll see what that's all going to look like because usually the DAZN cards start around anywhere between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, but at least the main card usually starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time on the East Coast. So, um, um, and yeah, the bigger, the end of the card. And I think Katie Taylor's fight would probably be right before the main event. So that would probably go around 4.30, quarter to five Eastern time. Um, and Serrano and, I'm sorry, and, and, and Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, if it's a similar kind of time frame, you're going to be right at the same time. So hard to Well, know. I'll have to watch one of those on demand. That's the beauty about the zone is you can just go back and watch it on demand. So that's the cool thing. Eddie, yeah. what else do you were, have for us, brother? There were, I'll just quickly go over. There were a bunch of other fights this weekend. Uh, this one, if you see it, if you get showtime, don't blink. Uh, Jerron Boots Ennis with a first round devastating knockout over the veteran Thomas Delorme. He handled him like other fighters have not handled Delorme. He was expected to win, but it was a very, uh, very emphatic performance that went on. There's also the Cepeda Vargas fight, which interestingly enough, top rank. Uh, put a ringside view of that first round knockout for Zepeda up on Twitter. So if you don't get ESPN Plus or you haven't seen it, you can just look at their their Twitter. And this is going on, by the way, during the Game 4 of the World Series, which again, another time took four hours, but that's been getting like 10 million plus viewers. So putting wow. all this boxing on the same weekend is not uh, not the greatest thing for them. And in the main event, you had, I guess it was a bit of an upset where Rajab Butayev upset Jamal James. I don't know if it really should have been an upset because I always felt James was a guy who had been overrated. But after a couple of rounds of James, a very tall, skinny welterweight, just putting out his jab and trying to box, he got broken down by Butayev. And this was a ninth round TKO. And this also featured some of the worst officiating you're going to see in a long time, because during the fight, the referee docked Butayev a point, uh, Celestino Ruiz docked him a point for holding very quickly. And it seemed that he was doing everything to help to help James. But then in the ninth round, the stoppage looked like it also might have been too fast. And a lot of people said, you know, said it was a quick stoppage and they declined to make anybody from the Nevada State Clown Commission or the referee available to discuss the stoppage or the point deduction on TV after the fight. And fight fixing. Then, that's what that is, folks. Then, then when you look at the scores at after eight rounds, it was very clear if you watch this fight, Bataev was way ahead in the fight that James had won two, maybe three, if you're generous, but maybe the, just the first two rounds. So two of the judges had it 77-74 uh, for Butayev, which meant he had won um, 
all but all but two rounds. One of the judges, Patricia Mords Jarman, had James leading after eight rounds, which is utterly preposterous scoring again. So here we go. And I don't know if this is going to set up uh, Ennis versus Butayev. Butayev really had had only one loss in his career, a pretty clear-cut decision loss to Lesputin a couple of years ago. But that was overturned because Lesputin was uh, tested positive for drugs. And the other things I'll just quickly say, we got uh, the Canelo fight that's coming up uh, next next week. And also follow this Roly Romero situation because there's a scandal involving him that several women have accused him of sexual assault. And I he believe may, that. I hate right, to say that, but I believe that after me. Right. And he may be pulled from his uh, Javante Davis pay-per-view in December. So we'll, oh, as boy. we record this, Nothing has been said other than Espinosa of Showtime said he's very concerned and they're watching it. And media reports say they're, they're looking for a new opponent, but nothing has officially has been announced. But I think he's going to be out of that fight. Why are they looking for a new opponent when they know shit like this happens all the time? There should be a backup order automatically. They should have somebody ready to step in automatically. Waiting around. I right, don't know. Folks, look. We gotta wrap this Davis up. It's difficult. Oh, that well. You know, a pay per view against Tank Davis. You just don't want to throw anybody in there. So, All right. See what they do. Okay. All right. Well, look, we gotta wrap this up, my beautiful people. It's been a fantastic weekend. Uh, Melissa, tell the people where they can find you. Hi, folks. Uh, you can get me on um, social media on Instagram and Twitter at Girl Boxing Now, or come to my website at girlboxing.org. Right on. Eddie, Mr. Goldman. You, you can get me on Twitter at NHB News and subscribe to my Patreon page because you're going to have analysis that's not filtered by these networks and promoters and managers and organized crime figures. And that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. And I'm in New York and I'm virtually dressing up for Halloween right this on. year, I guess is a, a Vulcan. So <laughs> live long and prosper. You look good as a Vulcan there, Eddie. Thank you. Thank All right. All right. So look, folks, if you want to get in-depth coverage on we cover corruption in boxing and just sports governance in general, then you have tuned into the right mm -hmm. channel. You guys need to hit that subscribe button, smash the like button, and hit that notification bell so that you know every time we post up a video. Uh, you want to check out our old videos, go to us on YouTube or warsports.com. That's war with a double A, W A A R S P O R T S. I almost forgot how to spell there, folks. It's a Sunday morning. And look, I'll see you guys next time. I am the fight goddess. Peace. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, 
or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls double-end bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more no-holds-barred content, that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even miniskirts at the new No-Holds-Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.